Glad to be with you all this week. Um, I hope you're following along with us as we are praying together. If not, there's also a sheet in the back that you can get on your way out um, as we are looking forward to um, more of what God is doing in our midst. Um, really encouraging you to come to our, uh, our night of pray prayer and praise. It's a unique first time experience for us. Uh, so we'll be hanging out here singing and uh, lifting up uh, prayers and, uh, for our church, also for our community, uh, for school as it starts out. Uh, so really want you to be here for that. Uh, there's some great things that are happening this week. Um, we have, uh, actually, Jake is in the air. Is he in the air or has he landed yet? He's in the air. So Jake Robertson, Robertson is in the air. Uh, I mean, not here, uh, <laughs> but he is on his way to Congo and Malawi, uh, to Burundi, uh, and he'll be serving for the next week there. Uh, so keep him in your prayers uh, and the, the rest of the family uh, without Papa Bear. Uh, and we also, ha uh, this week, the elders will be uh, making a decision on uh, hopefully calling an associate pastor. Uh, so I may have great news, hope to have great news for you next week. Uh, we have a candidate that's made it 95% of the way through the process. So uh, we look forward to sharing that with you uh, next week. So be praying for that as uh, those decisions are made and those kind of final, final steps are done. Um, today we are, are continuing our, our series in the Sermon on the Mount, so you can open your Bible there to Matthew chapter 7, and we'll be in uh, verses 12 through 14. Um, before we read that, uh, in, in uh, 20 B.C., so this is right before Jesus' advent, for His coming into the world, uh, there was a kind of a skeptic that came around, and he asked, one of the great rabbis, there were a couple of great rabbis at that time, and, and he asked the one rabbi this question. He said, now stand on one foot and summarize the scriptures. Uh, <clears throat> this uh, rabbi uh, decided not to answer that. His name was Rabbi Shivji, and he said, can't do it. So he went on to the, his rival, who is a, a rabbi named Hillel. And so he posed the question, he says, stand on one foot and give me the law and the prophets. I can't do it very long. <laughs> and so he took, them, took him up on his request. And so there he stood on one foot and he said, what is hateful to you do not to anyone else. This is the whole law. All the rest is commentary. <laughs> I'm glad that's as long as it was. So what, how do you summarize? According to great Rabbi Hillel, you summarize the whole law and the prophets simply and basically by saying, do no one else any harm. Don't do harm to them uh, just as you would not want harm to you. The rest of it is just commentary. So we find ourselves now uh, in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus has given the Sermon on the Mount, and he has really messed with our world, right? <laughs> and he's definitely messed with the world of the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious people of the day. He is, he is showing them that the things they understood about 
the Old Testament and understood about the scriptures that they had, the understanding they had about the world around them was wrong. <laughs> they had it wrong. They had defaulted to a common understanding that was not spiritual and was missing the point of God's intention for the law. And so with Hillel on one foot, he summarizes the whole law in this regard. Do no harm. What is hateful to you, do not, to do, do, not do to anyone else. So in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, Jesus is finishing his Sermon on the Mount, and he has put his watch, uh, as a good pastor does, on the, the, the stand here and says, I have uh, just a few more things to say, right? And so he summarizes his teaching on the, the Sermon on the Mount, these very profound, provocative, uh, bothersome, glorious teachings that he gives on the Sermon on the Mount, and he too summarizes. So as Jesus uh, stands on one foot, he says this, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Did he say the same thing as Hillel said? Good for you. Let's read it again. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Jesus begins with so, and some of your texts you may see the word therefore, and we know that whenever there's the word therefore, we have to understand what it's there for. What comes before that? What, is, what is, has been all that Jesus has been saying? And we have worked through the Sermon on the Mount uh, for the last three months. And in doing, we see there is so much there that Jesus is giving them the way of the kingdom of God. And the way of the kingdom of God is not the kinds of things that we were doing before. The kingdom of God is different from that. There is both intent, there's the attitude of the person who is doing the right things, and there's the right things and what really is the right things. And so Jesus is saying, here is the kingdom of God. Come and follow me as we go through this kingdom, as we walk down this road together. This is the way. This is the way to go. And so these are go Jesus is mainly talking about, in this Sermon on the Mount, not necessarily our attitude towards God, but our attitude towards each other. So he says some things that are mind-blowing. He says that for your enemies, you will be persecuted. You will be persecuted because of your belief. And when you are persecuted, you are to love your enemies. Well, that doesn't sound like Hillel at all, right? Hillel just says, don't do bad to people. But Jesus is saying, you are to love those enemies and do good to them. Later we see that if, you're, if your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat. That is not what Hillel is saying. Jesus is saying, this is a different kind of road that we're going down together, that you are to love your neighbors. And so this is the, the summary. It is a cheat sheet to the law and the prophets. Now, it is a cheat sheet in that it's not telling us how to have the right relationship with God, but he's telling us how to have a right relationship with each other, which we learn in 1 John, if you don't have this right, Obviously, you don't have this right. So Jesus is saying, our moral ethic towards each other can be sum summarized as this. What you wish others to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. 
This is what we call, right, the golden rule. It's, a, it's an easy way to think about how you ought to behave <laughs> and how you ought to look at other people. There are many different uh, religions who've had a similar kind of golden rule. Maybe we'll call it the civil rule, civil, uh, sil- silver. All those civil rule would work as well. And, and it is just like Hillel said. Basically, if you don't like somebody doing something to you, don't do it to them. But Jesus is saying something far more powerful here. Whereas those would be maybe a negative attitude, a negative constraint, Jesus is giving a positive constraint, isn't he? And he is saying, do to others as you would have them do to you. This is where love is on the offensive. This is quite a change. This this is different from the greatest worldviews, this is the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. And I don't want you to miss also who are these others. They are all kinds of people, including our enemies, to the greatest extent our enemies. We are to put ourselves sensitively into the place of another person and wish for them the kinds of things we wish for ourselves. And if this be the case, we we wouldn't be mean. (laughs) We would be generous. We wouldn't be harsh. We would be understanding. We wouldn't be cruel, but we'd be kind. There's a difference between those two things. There is a kind of attitude that says, I'm just not going to get in other people's business. Have you heard that before? Like, that is the, that's the highest moral goal, is like not to cause somebody else a problem. Like, I'm just going to keep to myself. Right? Maybe we've even felt that too. Like, I would just rather not, I would like just to be in my house by myself with my people, and I'll cause no one else any harm, and I'm okay. You felt that? Heard that? Said that? But Jesus is not letting us get away with that, is he? He's saying, no, no, no. It's not good enough for you to cause no harm, as long as I'm not harming someone. But no, you are called out now to love other people, to do for other people. Jesus is calling us to something, a far different kind of life than it was understood by even the great rabbis of the time who could even answer the simple question. Now, as we say these things, if you, if you press this golden rule too far, then as in any illustration or any kind of maxim, uh, that at the end it, it will start to fall apart. So don't push it too far. I mean, we could continue to ask questions, and those, those answers as we see Hillel say, are found in commentary. The, the rest is commentary. It helps you understand this very basic concept. So we may ask about justice, like how do you carry out justice uh, with, with the idea that you are caring for the other person, that you are looking out for them. Nobody likes to be judged, right? Nobody likes to face the consequences of being judged. That's not what we wish for, even though it's actually right and usually good for us, right? So we won't push it too far, but we can understand this general understanding is that we are to love each other. Now, 
in doing in Jesus saying this, and as you look at the Sermon on the Mount, it becomes impossible to do those things. It seems impossible. Everyone has an excuse as to why we cannot fully accomplish what Jesus has called us to do, because we are not naturally humble people. We are not naturally generous people. We are not naturally uh, the kinds of people that Jesus call, uh, calls us to be, to be those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. We are not necessarily meek people. All those things that Jesus is calling us to do are actually contrary to the way we normally go. When Jesus uh, says these, uh, this maxim to his people, when he gives them this, this summary of the, his teachings, this, uh, he says, so whatever you and when he says you, actually in the Greek, that is an emphatic. It means then that it is very intentional for the listeners that they have to follow this. You must follow this. It is what is required of the disciple of Christ. It, is not, it isn't for like those who are getting extra credit in the kingdom. But if you call yourself a follower after Christ, if you have... If you have if you're walking after Christ, that means that you're going to follow this rule and it's going to be a rule that guides your steps and that you are not going to be satisfied with withdrawing and not doing harm, but actually leaning in and sharing the love of Christ. So Jesus gives this great summary, the golden rule. The next verses then say, now what? What are you going to do with that? Verse 13, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it, enter by it, are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Several weeks ago, we talked about laying up treasures. Do you remember that? And we uh, refer to the hobbit and the hobbit and his comfortable life. And here comes the great wise wizard to tell him a different way. And he struggles with that because it would be so, so much easier to take the path that looks so desirable. But to take this path that he was being called to, well, it was a narrow way, a difficult way. It's the perfect picture of the people of God. He has called us to a narrow way that is not easy. The, the golden rule isn't an encouragement to improve. You hear me? The golden rule is not just an encouragement to improve, to be a better version of you, to be a, a better person. But it beckons you and me to leave the life that we were going on and go a different way. This is totally a different way than you and I were going. And Jesus is saying that we are all on this broad road, road to begin with. It is what most natural. It is the most attractive. It is the easiest thing. It is our default to life. We begin to think like the world and act like the world and go the easiest possible route. It is a road, and this is a road. It is a journey. It's part of our journey. It's a dedication to the direction of our lives. 
The wide road is full of self-satisfaction. It's it's full of self-concern. It's full of self-preservation. It is full of self-selfishness. But Jesus is calling us to be humble, to be selfless, to love our neighbors, to expend our lives for the kingdom, to love our neighbors as we love ourselves with the same kind of energy. Jesus says now that there there are two ways. There is one that has a, a wide berth to enter in, and the road is wide. There are lots of people on it. There's one that is narrow. The entrance is narrow, and the road is narrow. What is Jesus saying there? I think it's pretty clear like Jesus is, and Jesus will say in the book of John that he is the gate. He is the door. He is the entrance into those things. And no one comes to that road unless they enter in through Jesus. There are some people, some people who are, you've met them before, like they're really, they're good at some of these golden rule things, aren't they? Like they give their lives, they serve, and they're, they're like good people, you know? And, and usually like they're wearing sandals and all natural fibers. I mean, they're awesome. And, and you just kind of, they're, they're admirable people. But I tell you what, if you dig very deep inside, they're not so beautiful people. I guarantee it. There is like some bitterness. There is some, even some reasons why to be, to, to be people-pleasing. Like there's some brokenness in there that is fueling. And you don't have to dig very deep. When we work with our jam counselors, and we have, we have some, of, uh, some of the folks from Camp Blessing here today, and so they can give an amen to this in a minute. Like, you can fake it, like, for four or five weeks. Like, you can be really good. Like, I want to be good and help people in their summer, you know? But come about five weeks of that, you're like, ah! You know? You're tired of people. People are talking. You're talking, and you're just, you're just blah. And you realize, I'm really not a good person. I thought I was a good person. I came here. I signed up because I'm a good person. But you're not a good person, all right? None of us are good people. We need a Savior who changes us and transforms us. Amen? And it's not something like, well, I just think I'll, I'll try harder. No, it doesn't work. We need a Savior who transforms us. That's the good news of the gospel. And Jesus says, you can't do this on your own. You have to come through the gate. I am the gate, Jesus is saying. There's no way to the Father but through me. So come. It's a narrow gate. And I'm going to say it's not easy to find. Matthew preached last week. Didn't he do a great job? Amen. Thank you. Where is he? Where is he? Stand up. Uh, if you wave too high, you lose your humble button. So you didn't. He gave a little, he gave a very humble wave even. Great job. And he was preaching about seeking. And that if you seek, you will find. If, if you ask, he's going to answer. And so the, the gate is narrow. It, it's, it's not easy to get through. And you have to find it. And so Jesus says, though, if you will seek, He's going to give you the answer. He's not hiding from us so that we don't find it. He's screaming out to us, come. But you have to be looking. You have to desire. You have to come to 
the gate. And when we come to the gate, it's like a turnstile, right? So when you go through the tur- like when we were in Chicago, or like to go to the subway station, you got to go through that thing that goes like that. And if you don't have the thing, then you just kind of do that. Uh, I did that. And, and so it is a narrow thing. And as you're pulling your suitcase, you kind of have to, like you can't get through that. So you don't carry a big suitcase through to try and get through uh, the, the underground there in Chicago. When we come to Jesus with all of our stuff and the way we want to live life and our plans, you know what we have to do? We have to leave them. Because it is no longer us. It is no longer our plans. If you've been here very long, you know it's not our plans. Anyway, they don't work. Our plans don't work very well. And we have to leave those things. We have to leave our selfishness. We also have to leave our plans. We have to leave uh, we have to leave all the things that we thought were important and say, tell me, redirect me on this new path. We humbly come before him. And not only do we leave our stuff, but we also get to leave our sin. Because as we go through the door, he relieves us of the guilt of those sins. He takes away the shame. So although the, the, the way is narrow, the, the entrance is narrow, don't mistake that to be a lack of freedom. For in that, there is the greatest freedom. We are unburdened by the things we thought were important. That's wide road living. We are unburdened by those things. And now we can live with purpose and in a direction and in a knowledge of our Savior. Because now we take that road, not with the masses, but we take the road and we walk it with Him. For he is the way. Our, our, our world is looking for peace, right? Everyone is looking for some kind of sense of peace. And we find it in different ways. You know, when we're on the wide road, man, we find it, we find it in, in, in uh, relationships. We try to find it, which ends up being bad country western songs, right? And we, we try to find it in entertainment uh, and, and relaxation, and we try to find it in, in, in money and power and all these kinds of things. And see, we get to leave those at the door. We no longer have to seek after those things. Now we are walking with Christ. And so we don't have, we're, we're not, Jesus is not calling you to a general peace. I offer you peace. He is offering you peace in him. Did you catch that? So just because you enter in through the narrow gate doesn't mean that you're going to have peace. It, it means that you have to have the peace in the Jesus. It means we're not done once we enter through the gate, right? Like it's just now started. You're learning how to have peace in the Lord. You're learning how to have, how to have joy in the Lord. You're learning to have forgiveness. You are learning how to love other people in the Lord. Remember Ephesians chapter 6 says when it talks, uh, 5 and 6, when it's talking about the relationship between the husband and wife? It tells the husband, you are to love your wife as you love your own body. That the, the, the wife is to submit to their husband in the Lord. The children are to submit to their parents as to the Lord. You see, we have this responsibility then to submit and, and love each other in the Lord. We, he walks with us. The Spirit empowers us. He transforms us. 
This is the way that is narrow. One path. Oh, 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 this is great. Some, some of our, our old, old saints from, from yesteryear, some, some time back, actually wrote covenants, personal covenants, where they would say, this is what I am committing to the Lord. I'm committing, I'm committing my money. I'm committing uh, my home. I'm committing my dreams and aspirations, my work. And they would go through a list, and they would write out this covenant, and they would sign it. It wasn't like a public document for everyone, but it was a document for them to, to, to covenant with God and say, this is what it means for my life. And this is the narrow road. It is our journey. And what do you find at the end of these roads? Well, the road that is narrow is full of life. When you think about the word life, you think of the word, the, the idea of the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, come through me and walk down this narrow road. The other road, the simple road, the easy road, all along it is death and destruction, and it culminates in true death and destruction, eternal separation from God. How many roads are there? How many roads are there? There's one right road, but there are two roads. The question today that Jesus is posing to all of us which road are you on? I, I think we have to be careful. Sometimes uh, we had a, a meeting yesterday for community group leaders, and I think John, uh, John Knowles had, had a good word, and uh, Ben Beckworth, and they, we were talking about there's a difference between maturity, like you get with gray hair, and growing in Christ. Don't get those mixed up. Like, you know, I'm doing better than I was before. I think I'm saved. That didn't make you saved. That just means you're getting older and you're not as stupid as you were when you were younger. There is something about entering through this narrow gate that transforms the soul in which you realize, I am lost without Jesus. I know it, but I also know finding Jesus, and I need him desperately, as opposed to, I'm not as bad as I used to be. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying a different kind of path that you are taking, in which you're reliant on him. Today is the day to come to the narrow gate, to come to the narrow road, if you are not clearly on the narrow road, you are on the wide road. If you can't say, I am definitely on the narrow road, I want to tell you, you're on the wide road. It is the natural default to your living. You, unless you desperately know you need Jesus, his, his, both his salvation and knowing your sinfulness, you are on the wide road. Jesus is calling you to something much more narrow. Today in evangelism, oftentimes you hear people talking about, you know, you need to accept Jesus. And, and I, I understand the language. I'm not going to be too harsh on it. But 
we're really asking, is Jesus accepting you? That's what we need to know. Are you accepted by Jesus? And, and that's a huge threshold. How am I going to be right enough for God to, to love me? And the good news is, you're not. <laughs> but that's the good news. Jesus is. So we have to hold on to him for all we're worth. You know, when Jesus was resurrected and Mary was holding on, clinging to him, like that's the way we need to be. Like, I can't do this without you. Welcome to the narrow road. Today, as you consider these things, maybe, uh, maybe you're someone who has been on the wide road. And today, the great news is, today... You can come to him, put your faith in him. He will cleanse you of your sins, hang on to him, and walk the narrow road. That road is life, and it's offered to you today. Will you come? Jesus is saying, come, enter in, don't wait. When we were involved with crusade, when we used to say people, people would think, uh, I think I'm just going to wait a little longer. Waiting a little longer means I am rejecting. Don't, don't get it wrong. You are still a rebel. I know sometimes we want to say, like, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm thinking about it. No, no, no. you got to actually believe. <laughs> come to him. He's saying come. Maybe you're an older believer. You've been in the way. And you have fallen along the way. There is no falling back. There's no jumping tracks. As a faithful believer, what's your next response? Confess, repent. Confess, repent. That's the life of a believer. Stay on the road. Maybe today, as, as, we, as we close, you need to write a covenant again. Maybe tonight you need to go home, this afternoon, and write a covenant with him. Say, this is, what I've, this is what I've committed to. Renew your vows with him. Remember the narrow road. And rejoice in him. Because even today, he calls you out. He, says, he throws up his hands. He does not want to be lost. He does not want us uh, to suffer unduly. He's saying, come, come, come to me, come to me. I love you. I'm with you. I loved you more than this. I loved you this. And walk the narrow road with him. For that is life. Amen.